Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is an RNZ podcast. They say it takes a village to raise a child. I'm Catherine Ryan, and here we draw on my conversations with experts on Nine to Noon to help you navigate family life. All to parenting and today, the complexity of gender transition in children. Our guest is the UK psychotherapist Bob Withers, who's been in practice for more than 30 years. Late last year, an opinion piece he wrote for a British newspaper attracted considerable attention. The headline was, In 20 years we'll look back on the rush to change our children's sex as one of the darkest chapters in medicine. The reaction was swift, support from many quarters, hostility from others. To explain why he wrote the article, from Sussex we welcome Bob Withers. Hi Bob. Hi there, can you hear me alright? I can hear you just fine. Could you give us a little bit of background first about your experience as a psychotherapist and also as a a supervisor of psychotherapists and and counsellors? Yes, well I first started as a therapist in about 1985 and um, the first trans person that I saw was around about 1990. I saw a, a person who'd been living as a woman for nine years, but he'd um, been born a male, um, so biologically male, and he discovered that he wasn't really happy in his uh, female identity. He'd had surgery, he'd had hormones. And he came to see me because he wanted to detransition, that is, to go back to be his original gender or sex, um, by which time, of course, he'd lost his genitals um, and was dependent on the estrogen. And so he couldn't fully go back biologically to being a man, but he realized that the reasons that he'd wanted to transition were really psychological reasons, and he wished that he'd had psychotherapy before he'd had surgical and medical treatment. So really, as a result of seeing him, I began to wonder how many other people might be in his position. Actually, it's quite interesting what happened to him, because he tried to write a blog about his experiences, but the transgender community closed him down, vilified him, and made his life so unpleasant and unbearable that in the end he had to close down his blog and pretend that he'd made the whole thing up in order to to stop himself from being harassed. So I became aware quite early on that there were people being closed down and silenced by other people in the trans community who felt very insecure hearing stories that didn't just confirm what they already thought. So what have your experiences been over the 30 years, though? Have you had a variety of clients? I mean, what are your views on gender transition? Yeah, gender transition. Okay, so my overall practice is is as a general psychotherapist. In fact, I'm a Jungian analyst and a psychotherapist. So the proportion of um, gender non-conforming people I see is fairly small. I'm not a specialist in that area. Um, but I've, I live in Brighton in the UK, which is a kind of centre for the trans community. Uh, we've got a big um, 
LGBT community. So over the years, I've seen several people and supervised several people who've been in various stages of transition. And I think what alarms me about the, the latest thing is that the, in the last nine years or so, there's been a 25-fold increase in the number of young people identifying as trans. And uh, nobody really knows why that is. And also there's been an interesting switch, whereas in the early days it was about three to one male to female. It's now become about two to one female to male. So the number of young women identifying as trans has increased massively, um, exponentially. And nobody's really trying to look at why. But it seems to me from my experience that a lot of the people who identify as trans in that group uh, are really suffering from psychosocial problems, but they look on the internet to try and explain their feelings of, say, discomfort in their bodies, their difficulty fitting in socially, um, and they may hit on the idea that they're trans as the solution to those problems. Unfortunately, if they read the wrong websites, follow the wrong people, get the wrong advice, they'll be told that the only solution to their gender dysphoria and that is their sort of discrepancy between their felt gender. You know, they feel like they're male, but they're biologically um, female. And they're told by these internet sources and these helpful trans advisors that the only way of resolving the problem is to medically transition. And what I fear is that we're just storing up a problem for the future, a huge problem, so that a large number of those people who may be on the autistic spectrum, or they may be gay, but struggling with being gay, uh, or they may just be going through adolescent problems and suffering from other issues such as body dysmorphia. And they may, like my patient, come to regret medically transitioning. Uh, and so what I'm concerned about is that this group of people is not really being properly protected and cared for. And in fact, anybody who doesn't affirm them in their trans identity and anybody who doesn't therefore implicitly support the medical route is shut down, silenced and accused of transphobia. Let's come back because there's a lot happening in here already, including the difference between, as you say, gender dysmorphia, someone identifying um, as trans or, or wishing to transition an identity as opposed to an actual medical procedure or the first stages thereof. Yeah. And and I what I want to get at the outset though is do you accept that for some people that that belief and they would say more than a belief that they are in the wrong body, that it is and has perhaps for a long time caused them misery or unhappiness can be relieved uh, either by um, identity transition or, or indeed by medical transition. As a starting point, do you accept that for some people this is real and very important? Well, as a starting point, I can accept that, but I'd like to just clarify what that starting point is or what it means. The way I would conceive it is this, that there's a subjective sense of who we are, and that's a psychological or a psychosocial sense. So it's, it's in the mind, and there's something physical or biological that's in the body. And most of us feel that our mental sense of our gender and who we are is the same as our bodily sense of gender and who we are. But I do firmly accept that for some people, those two are at odds with each other. <clears throat> but the question is, should you try first to change the mind 
or should you accept this view that the only way of really sorting this out is to change the body? And that's where I would um, take issue with the, the current view, which seems to almost promote the bodily route over the notion that there may be psychological ways of dealing with this. What psychological ways of dealing with it, though? Because we're almost starting like we're getting into sort of like, um, you know, homosexual um, cures. <laughs> and goodness, well, yes, we've like, been through yes, a whole generation of that. Case, so, you see, because that, yeah. that is the fear that you could end up doing something which is the equivalent of trying to cure somebody of homosexuality. No, 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 that was a bit of a red herring. What I'm saying is the idea that homosexual people need to be cured. You're you're not, is your starting point that this is a genuine need, experience and need for some people for whom the relief is to identify um, or perhaps, or perhaps to, to, to follow through with a medical procedure? Or for well, you, is this... Let's go, back, let, let's go back to this thing about gay conversion therapy. If I can just turn what you said on, on its head, I see in my practice people who are struggling with same-sex attraction. And for some of those young people where they have a kind of implicit homophobia, it's very attractive to say, look, I'm not really a proto-lesbian gay butch woman, I'm actually a man trapped in a woman's body. So they actually feel more at ease identifying as a heterosexual man trapped in a woman's body than a lesbian woman. So what they may be suffering from is internalised homophobia, which again pushes them along the route to medical transition. But I'm trying to understand whether you believe these are people who need to be cured with some kind of psychological treatment or therapy, or you accept that at least in some cases this is a genuine need whose relief and release in realised life may happen uh, possibly with medical transition. Can you, can you accept that as being the case for some people? Well, why, why isn't a psychological need a real need? Well, it it, it, it it may be it may be both. I, I'm I'm just trying to establish at the outset as to whether you ever see this as the the appropriate journey for someone. And well, if so, well, if someone is an adult person and they've um, come to a secure sense of their identity, which doesn't normally happen even in terms of brain maturation until we're in our mid twenties, and a lot of people will explore their sexuality even longer than that. Um, then um, I think the whole idea of attempting to do something irreparable to the body in uh, an earlier stage is is something to be avoided, if possible, at all costs, because um, you're not going to settle into a secure sense of identity until later on, and you may well find that you've made a mistake. And there is no biological test that can tell you in advance whether you're going to end up regretting it or feel satisfied with the change. Now, of course, I'd be stupid to to try and argue that there are no people who are happy with their medical transitions. There are people who who report being much happier after medical transition. The problem is trying to tell in advance who those people are and who those are who are going to regret it. My fear is that there's a large number of people who uh, quietly regret it, but are being closed down from talking about their experiences, first of all. So the people trying to make a decision are not making a proper informed decision about whether they should have a particular kind of treatment, like a medical treatment um, or a psychiatric 
psychological treatment or indeed if they should try and find ways of living with it before they make themselves, for instance, sterile, which you do if you medically transition early on. Um, and also you may very well damage your future sexual pleasure. And there are lots of side effects, some of which are known, lots of which are not known from the uh, current treatments. You know, puberty blockers uh, have been shown to reduce bone density. Um, they seem to, in, uh, there are studies which seem to show they reduce the IQ by 7% or so. Um, there are worries that they may interact with other drugs like SSRIs. It, it, it's an experimental procedure and a potentially dangerous one which is making a lot of money for drug companies and which is being uncritically affirmed and supported in my view. And I think there should be a discussion opened up which includes honesty about the people who have detransitioned or regretted it, um, about what we do know and we don't know about the effects of the drugs, and uh, we should make a much better effort to protect children from making decisions which they may end up later regretting. What are you seeing happening with younger people in particular? Is it is it far more common for um, young people to um, express themselves differently, I guess, to... to um, I was going to use the word experiment. It probably is the right word. Um, with... Um, gender behaviours or gender identities that are different in their cultures. I mean, we're straight away into a very interesting discussion here. I was talking earlier to colleagues about how, um, in our country anyway, little girls won the war years ago to climb trees, play sports, have short hair and wear shorts. A little boy who wears a dancer's outfit or or dresses up like a girl, um, you know, tolerance in some places and intolerance in others. This, if we're looking at a spectrum of behaviours there's yeah. certainly um, anecdotally a lot more freedom in young men and women around adolescence dressing the way they want, wearing makeup if they want, expressing themselves as they please. Now is that in itself harmful or is that in itself a good thing? No, that's got to be a good thing, hasn't it? So at what point are you seeing things that are concerning you when it comes to younger people in particular? Well, I'm seeing young people who don't feel free enough to um, express those differences and still remain happy with and at home with their body, their sexed body. They feel that if they want to dress up in girls' things, that must mean that they need to change their bodies. And I think it may be that society needs to develop more sense of... um, gender diversity in terms of expression and feel less pressured to accept a stereotype just because you, you, you want to wear a dress or you want to you know play with boys things and you're biologically female that should not give rise to a suspicion that actually you need a medical treatment. But for some it does and you know it is an extreme decision and it is hard to believe even an adolescent or a teenager reaching that decision without a quite compelling need and drive? Well, that can come from a number of different sources, including psychosocial sources. For instance, I can think of people I've seen who now talk about, say, a case of somebody who's biologically male but wants to be a woman. And I can think of someone who, in his adolescence, was disgusted really with his own male sexuality. 
where his mother found his father's sexuality very oppressive, and he was brought up in a family in which there was a deep shame attached to masculine sexuality, which was seen as oppressive and, and abusive. And when he hit puberty, he felt very, very awkward in his body, and he felt a disgust towards his genitals in particular, but also, um, you know, the, the body hair and so on. So he presented at a clinic with gender dysphoria and um, was yeah, assessed and found to be gender dysphoric and then prescribed puberty blockers to stop him having puberty in the wrong body. But when he got into psychotherapy, having already been on puberty blockers for a number of years, the therapist took a risk and um, uh, and said that he, well, I don't want to say who the therapist was because the, a therapist in my position is in danger of being struck off for um, so-called practicing conversion therapy. If I were to say this is my patient and I said to him, look, I wonder if your revulsion with your male sexuality and the fact also that you were abused by a man um, contributed to your disgust with your body and that made you feel more comfortable identifying as a woman, I could be accused of a practicing conversion therapy. Now, in fact, this person's therapist, who you'll have to, excuse me, might be me, or it might be a colleague I was supervising, um, took the risk of saying this to this young man identified as a woman, and he broke down and began to see that that really made a hell of a lot of sense. And eventually, he gave up the puberty blockers, and he happily now identifies as a man. But it took a long, long time for him to make that switch, and it's very rare. Once people start on puberty blockers, about 95% go on to fully medically transition. So people actually having a therapist who will work psychologically with a person like that are rare and lucky, but there should be more of them and more of us prepared to stand up against this nonsense that this is somehow conversion therapy in the same way as trying to cure somebody of being gay is conversion therapy. Which, incidentally, I, I, poor, I, just, I don't think that's acceptable at all. The challenge is, and I am drawing here on the story of um, a young person whom I have, have interviewed here. Yeah. The challenge is it is at puberty, uh, in this instance anyway, that things got to crisis levels. Since preschool, a genuine articulated sense of feeling like in the wrong body... Mm -hmm. But at puberty, that became crisis level, including to the point of, of you know, very, very, very serious thoughts. And this is um, a young person and um, a very caring and deeply supportive um, parent speaking to both. Is that part of the complexity that it can be around this time of puberty that one wants to stop what's happening? Yeah, I think I think puberty can be a very, very difficult time, and, and there can be a sense of, I want to stop this happening to my body. It feels alien. I don't feel happy with this. It's a slight misinterpretation of what I said. This was someone who had, since preschool, clearly had this experience of being in the wrong body, but it came to a crisis point, an extreme one, when, when puberty began. And is yeah, this... Yeah, yeah well, I'm saying that's because the body is doing something which challenges sure, that sure. person's sense of identity. Sure, okay. So is this part of the complexity? Like you were saying, don't start on the puberty blockers, don't go to a medical um, process 
while someone is is adolescent or in their teens, but that may be the very time that someone feels like this is a crisis. Yeah, but, but then where has this sense of identity come from? Where has this young person actually reached this sense that they are male or they are female, which is at odds with their body? Where's, where's that come well, from? Well, this, this young person from the interview would say has always felt that way, not, not imposed no obvious event to cause this, just, just simply has been their story. Well, people subjectively feel that, but if you try and look for a biological cause, there hasn't been one found yet, and there's no way of identifying or differentiating between somebody who feels that and somebody who feels at home in their body. There haven't been any very, you know, um, credible scientific studies which show that, that, that there is something biological going on, like the idea that you're born like this with a, something different in your brain. It seems much more likely to me, and this is a personal opinion, that this is psychosocially constructed and there's something that we would call a dissociation, really, between the mind and the body. In other words, the sense of identity and the biological identity are at odds. And there's a psychoanalyst called Donald Winnicott who writes quite a lot about this, who talks about the way that the mind and the body can dissociate from one another in certain circumstances. And this can be kind of life-saving in the sense that being embodied and being um, in touch with bodily feelings can feel very, very threatening. But then the question is, should you try and help the person with psychological support to become more at home in their body, or should you just go straight to the body and support the mind? Aren't we still looking for the gay gene as well? You know, th- this is the thing. If we're looking for, a, for biological evidence of everything that a human being feels and experiences and is, we, we could be looking for a while, Bob. Uh, well, there's quite a lot of clear evidence that there are psychological issues at work in um, formation of a sense of identity. The thing is, there's more at stake here, isn't there? Because if, if you get it wrong with trans identity and you give somebody surgery and hormones and they regret it, you can't go back. But if you decide you're not gay and you're really straight, you, you can change that. And also, there's no surgery or, or hormones necessary. You can just We don't need to really worry so much about the gay gene. That's more of an academic pursuit. But, you know, this is something with real consequences. And what I fear is that we could be storing up a, a generation of, of people who will look back and think, we were not properly protected. We were children. We didn't know what we were doing, really. And now we can't have children. And now we can't have a, a satisfying sex life. And the dysphoria or the the discrepancy between our mind and our body has not gone anyway because for quite a lot of people, the surgery and the hormones don't actually sort it out. They remain dysphoric, but those poor people are quietly ushered off into the background because they challenge the the prevalent model, which is to affirm and support the, the trans person in their medical transition. And anything which casts doubt on that as a way forward is silenced. I do hear you when you talk about the the, the latter um, issue, that issue that you can't put forward alternatives you are telling me without very strong response. Um, Alternatives being, for example, um, should should you look at whether or not there are psychological or psychosocial matters here. I, I would have thought as part of any therapy, the ability to consider various options, various frameworks is fairly fundamental and, and, and part of um, 
part of the informed consent process. Is what you are saying in this article and to me now that it is very difficult for a therapist to do so? It's really difficult. I'm in danger from having spot my neck out of being struck off or complained about simply because I'm trying to, honestly, in my opinion, um, think of ways of protecting children from damaging themselves. And I think we as a profession, though, if we don't speak out, we're colluding with the possibility that these kids will grow up really deeply regretting what they've done, like my very first patient did. Thank you. Bob Withers speaking to us from Sussex, uh, UK uh, psychotherapist who penned that article and online article last year. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 